Well, we are alive, pal. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Here, uh, I'm cold. It is chilly. It is chilly. Uh, a little bit of a weather change in the last, I'd say, 24 hours. I just got caught barbecue downpour turned over me. Ruined my steak. Ruined? Oh, that's... <laughs> First of all... If you not paid attention all day to the weather network, uh, you would have known this storm was coming. Listen, uh, man, when you're marinating a steak that looks as good as the one I had, you roll the dice on it. It still turned out. I didn't. I shouldn't say ruined it, but you, I got you, real. You should, you should have held uh, an umbrella over your steak. Well, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I had steak <laughs> to eat. I had drinks to drink, and I got a podcast to record with you, my friend. That's it. That's it. That, that, that's a good fucking life, right there, sir. There could be worse things in the world, you know what I mean? You, you just, I think it comes just, uh, another. Life. I think it comes another year older, another year wiser, as they say. That's right. That's right. If you if you missed uh, if you miss it on Facebook, uh, you should all know that uh, Tyler is now an old an old man. Yes, and uh, I I bring this up only because I have to give a shout out to this awesome gift my girlfriend got me. She got me a picture of the original four horsemen autographed, including JJ Dillon. Uh, it's a, that famous picture where they all have their hands in, you know, the one I'm talking about. I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. So I'm pretty hyped about that. I need to give a shout out where that's due. That's a hell of a birthday gift. I'm uh, when you first told me about that, I think I, I'm most surprised that, that uh, only, only reached out to, to sign that. I didn't think he was doing shit like that anymore. Yeah, I think this was signed a couple years ago. Yeah. It's on the High Spot website. Uh, either way, I'm I'm pretty stoked to get that. It's coming in any day now. Oh, so it's not in your possession yet. It's not in my possession yet. There's this little pandemic going on around the world that seems to have slowed down things. Mm-hmm. But you know what's not slowing down, Mike? Our social media game is going strong right now. Big jump in Instagram the last couple of days. Facebook page has been happening. Uh, thank you for everybody checking us out. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Count out seven across the board on that. Yeah, you, YouTube. I think we're going to have a nice little jump on YouTube. Thanks to you and our buddy Jay. Yeah, Jay did a great job there. Uh, we watched, we've got a couple more matches that we watched. We're going to put up over the next few days. And I can't wait to watch some with you. And uh, I want to leave it up to the viewers, man. If anyone listening wants to see us watch a wrestling match, please leave a comment anywhere on one of our platforms and we'll fire it up for you. Hell, if you want to watch one with us, let us know. We'll we'll figure Absolutely. something out. I love drinking and I love watching wrestling and I love the sound of my own voice. Well, it makes one of us. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, we got a pretty loaded show today. We're going to be talking about the top seven NWA champions of all time. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying the match of the days that we've been putting up there, all NWA title related so far. Uh a little bit of news to get to first. Yeah, well, uh, l- let me jump in first. Uh, since you, since we brought up NWA, um, I want to bring up somebody who has held several and uh, different NWA titles throughout many territories in his career, and that's Mister Wrestling Two. Yes, um, Johnny Walker unfortunately uh, was uh, declared dead today. Um, I I want to say. The age of 85? 85 years old, correct. Okay. Um, hell of a career Mr. Wrestling had. Mr. Wrestling 2, I should say. Yes, he um, was big in Japan. Oh, yeah. 
NWA, like you said. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in uh, what was it uh, the Florida the Florida uh, territory uh, yeah. back in the day. For uh, me, I, I I think about his uh, running Mid South Wrestling. And Mid South is what I was going to say say last. Mid South, I think, was the peak of his career. Yeah, that's what that's the most I've seen of him. Uh, I loved his feud with Magnum TA. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, definitely a big loss uh, for the wrestling community. And, uh, you know, it sucks. It se- seems like we've lost somebody every week for the last month or so. Um, yeah, the novelty is starting to come uh, wear off on that. Every time we were about to jump on a show, it seems like there's a death to talk about. Um, obviously, we didn't record last week for, for you know, reasons. And yeah. But uh, had, we, had we talked last week, of course, I was going to bring up the passing of Danny Havoc. Yes, that's right as well. So, uh, you know, and of course, before that was, uh, you know, somebody and before that was Shad Gaspar, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, uh, sorry, Han- Hannah tomorrow is what, what I meant to say. Um, every week has been somebody. Um, well, about a very, month ago, Howard Finkel as well. It's just been rough. Yeah. It's, uh, okay, 2020, we've had enough. We get it. <laughs> no kidding. Well, New Japan Wrestling gave us a little bit of a glimmer of hope and positive news this week. Uh, they announced they're going to start running shows uh, starting June fifteenth with uh, fans. With yeah. fans, fans will be coming a, a little bit later. I think in a couple weeks after that, they're going to oh, run okay. it. Uh, the first couple are going to be empty arena, from what it sounds like. So, you know, good for them. Uh, New Japan, New Japan's been really classy throughout this whole thing. You know, they've taken really good care of their talents. Um, I know Tanahashi and the president of New Japan went and did a meeting with the government of China to help, or sorry, of Japan, not China. Wow, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I, I have China on my mind because our, our guest that we're going to have on next week is currently living in China. Um, That's right. Um, the, uh, they, they went and did a pitch to band everybody together, all the wrestling community together to help keep the little companies afloat, which I thought was really incredible as well. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, they're going to go right ahead with that tournament that... Uh... Yeah, they're going to jump right right into the New Japan Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, this this tournament was supposed to happen back in I want to say March or April. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I, I believe so. But it got pushed, and uh, and we're finally going to get it. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go right ahead with a uh, with a bold prediction. Okay, what do you got? In one of the in one of the first major shows New Japan puts on, we're going to see Luke Gallows. You think so? Can he get, can he get over there? He'll find a way. Okay. That motherfucker will swim over there. He and maybe if he transforms into Sex Ferguson, baby. <laughs> so uh, I guess okay, yeah, kind of... yeah, you brought up a good point. Okay, let let, let me let me uh, rethink this through. Well, it, it kind of segues the into major, the next the point. Show, the first major show. Where the airports are, where, where you're allowed international travel, Lou Gallows is there. Okay, okay. No Carl Anderson? Lou Gallows for sure. Carl Anderson, maybe. I think I think the, the hype right now is really behind Gallows way more than it is um, Anderson or the Good Brothers. Okay, okay. Uh, interesting take on that. To me, I think these guys are a package deal. I think I think uh, 
I think one can't climb as high without the other. Um, not if you, eh, I'm just saying this from what I've been reading and stuff. Promoters don't seem to see it like that. Really, eh? Because I, I heard that Anderson are seeing, are seeing him as the star. Uh, Tama Tonga, who whom uh, whom I'm a big fan of, came out just the other day and said that uh, you don't have the Good Brothers uh, without. Uh, Carl, uh, without uh, Luke Gallows, he says he is the good brother. He is the awesome and, good brother. Uh, gave him uh, full credit for uh, the fact that Tom Tonga now paints his face. He goes, I would have never started if uh, Gallows didn't start it first. I believe that, man. Gallows is, he's a, he's, he is a good brother. Um, what, I guess you kind of segue into the next point then with Impact Wrestling putting out that teaser. So you do not think you're going to see Luke Gallows in Impact Wrestling? Not in Impact, no. I think it would be a no. huge mistake for both of those guys to go to Impact. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a mistake, uh, but uh, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the best move financially for them. No, let's say it that way. One, let's let's be real, and I don't want to knock Impact because they they do put out a good product, um, but there's no momentum. There's no hype. Uh, they're like I just don't understand why they why they would want to go there. A guy like uh, you know I know Rhino was teasing Heath Slater maybe showing up to to help him out. I, I could I think that's a great move. But for guys like Gallo and Anderson, if they're not going to New Japan or they're not going to AEW, I don't I don't understand where the move would be for them. I think it hurts. Yeah, uh, to me right now the only thing that makes sense is New Japan. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to see them in AEW. I, I, th- I think New Japan makes sense. Well, and AEW's tag scene's getting crowded, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they didn't just sign FTR, I'd say, okay, maybe they'd bring in the Good Brothers. Yeah. But uh, and, man, who knows? Maybe we'll see the Good Brothers back in WWE in, in the next you know six months. Maybe. maybe oh, I just, don't know. Uh, Have oh, you God. been listening to their podcast at all? Did they want to bring back. Have you been listening to their podcast at all, Talking Shop? No, um, and I'll, and I'll talk to you off air why I haven't listened to it. Um, it. It's not a not wanting to listen to it. It's an access thing. I think next to our podcast, it is the best wrestling podcast on the planet. All right. All right. Um, uh, but they're doing a thing on their podcast that they're calling Countdown to Fucktown. And basically what it is, is they're counting down the seconds until their no-compete clause is done. And they've got something big planned the night that that happens. They're going to do something big. Yeah. um, I mean, no matter what, they'll do something big. Um, By the time their no-compete clause is up, I don't think they'll be able to go to Japan yet. So who knows what that'll be. Um, uh, all I know is that they've been hyping it up for weeks. Well, speaking of things that have been hyped up for weeks, do you want to jump into the list here? We are doing else? the top seven NWA champions. So to be on this list, for Tyler to fit you on this list, you have had to be one of the best men ever to hold the 10 pounds of gold. And we're going, we, so you, you must have done some research for this list, right? 
I'm not really much of a research guy, Mike. Oh, shut the fuck up. What year? <laughs> what year was the first NWA champion crowned? Uh, I believe it was 1904. I want to say. And do we know who that was? Uh, the gentleman's name escapes me at the second. Rick, Rick Flair. It was not. <laughs> He's probably old enough to <laughs> He is, but no, it was not Ric Flair. I'll tell you right now that it was uh, all, all, all of Oliver Brown. Okay. Or Orville. Orville Brown. Orville Brown. 1948 was the first world champion. 1948. Okay. Yes. yes. So we're going to talk about good old Orville a little Ooh. bit here. Not for not for him being on the list. No. Basically, my list is just about forty five minutes to an hour of talking about Dan. Yeah, I, I assumed as much. Uh, we're not, we're not yeah. going to talk about Rob Conway at all, or no, he did not even make my honorable mentions. <laughs> he did have a very long title reign, though. Rob he was the NWA champion, though. I mean, people forget there was a, there was a time, you know, after Impact and before Billy Corrigan. Where the NWA championship kind of um, didn't mean fuck all. Well, how would you feel if I told you that Rob Conway has held the belt two times for a total combined days of 551 days and he is the 13th longest reigning champion of all time? <laughs> I'd, say, I, I, I'd say just look at him. Oh my God. <laughs> Your favorite theme song of I fucking all time. Love that theme song. Jesus. Really well, no, Rob Conway is not cracking the list. The fact that we're even talking about him right now, I feel like we are doing a disgrace to the title. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just jump into it, man. Uh, let's let's hit off your number seven. All right, my number seven is a good old Canadian boy by the name of Gene Kinnis. Oh, okay. Right on. Uh, Gene Kaniski, he won the belt on January 7th of 1966 from the legendary Luthez. I'm not going to lie. I, I think out. I forgot. I either forgot or didn't know that he was Canadian. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's a Vancouver boy, oh, no if shit. I'm not mistaken. Kaniski held the belt for 1,131 days. It is the sixth longest reigning champion of all time. Mm-hmm before losing the belt to uh, Dory Funk Jr. on February 11th, 1969. So Kaniski had a hell of a run. I was just saying, you know, who were some of his uh, more notable feuds during that period of time? Oh, Mike, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and this is so funny that you asked because I, there, I don't have a lot to talk about Kaniski. So all I did is just write down big names that he fought. And we didn't talk about this off air. So that's really funny you asked. Notable offenses, uh, he fought Dick the Bruiser in Chicago, Luthez in Vancouver, Fritz Von Erich in Texas, Joe Blanchard in San Diego, the Big Cat Ernie Ladd, Wahoo McDaniel, uh, Mike DiBiase, Jose Lothario, mm-hmm. Carl Gotch, Giant Baba in Japan. Uh, the thing that I like about Kanitsky too, from a home country type of thing, is he defended the belt a lot in Canada. Yeah, uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto. Uh, in Toronto, you know, he he was working, and all all these Canada ones, he was working the Tools Brothers, Stan Stasiak, Abdul the Butcher, Don Leo Johnson, um, 
Yeah, and like like Kanitsky had a hell of a run. He, he worked some. He worked the biggest names. I was just about to say, I'll, I'll like think of the names that you just listed. I'd say almost every single one is is a Hall of Famer in some sort. They're, they either, they either if they're not in the WWE Hall of Fame, they're in the NWA Hall of Fame or the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. You just mentioned the who's who of professional wrestling in the territory days. Kanitsky yes. fought them all. Well, and even before he held the NWA world title, which is something I didn't know until right now, he was uh, a former AWA world champion beating Fern Gagne on July 11th of 61. I actually didn't. Held the belt for 28 I'm days. I'm not sure I knew he worked for AWA. That's great. I, I did not know that at hmm. all. So uh, do your homework, kids. You learn some stuff. That's it. But yeah, Gene Kanitsky, a good old Canadian boy, uh, you know, and he trained a lot of great guys as well. Yes, right? absolutely. So Kanitsky, now there are going to be a couple names on that are not on my list that I'm going to take heat for. And I had uh, about two or three guys that I went back and forth with on the number seven. But when I looked at the numbers, when I looked at the days as champion, who he fought, uh, I just, Kanitsky, his stats impressed me the most. Yeah, I went with stats over name value on on some. Well, of these. you you, you kind of have to, you know, when you're you're holding Gene Kaniski in one hand and Ron Killings in the other, you know what to do. Hey, I you know what I actually was talking to somebody on our Instagram page today, and they mentioned Ron Killings, first black uh, NWA world champion. The NWA title did a lot for Ron Killings. Yeah. That's where he kind of you know he was doing some of his best promo work. Uh, that's where he reinvented himself and really, you know, he's still living off that to this day. So. Say what you want about what he's doing in WWE right now. I know he's he's really made a name for himself as this uh, comedy character, and it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But I think he really did some of his best work in TNA. Um, yeah, I, I can't I can't argue. And that I really, I really enjoyed the stuff he was doing, you know, when he was uh when he was running for for or with the the, uh, the NWA title in TNA. Um, I really liked the stuff he was doing with the three live crew. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I enjoyed killings back then. I really did. Well, and, and, and he beat, uh, as we got a, a, also an Instagram comment tonight from a good friend of the show, Blake McMillan. Uh, he said from mutton chop shamrock, as he put it, which I thought was like, got a pop out of that. Uh, good call. Now, now I'm going to assume that Ron Killings is not your number six. He is not. So let's move on to find out who is. I'm going with the current NWA world champion, Nick Aldis. I I am so happy to hear you say that, man. Um, I had a feeling you you weren't going to give Aldis his due. Uh, Not on a top seven list. Uh, I would have, and I'm glad you are. Um, I expected him to be low on your list like he is. Uh, but uh, what what is it about Nick Aldis that, that uh, makes him one of the greatest NWA champions? For me, it's the fact that he's bringing prestige back to the title. Yes. Uh, that he's making the title relevant again. He is a touring champion. Now, I'm going to jump over here on my notes a little bit. But, you know, he's he's defended the belt in China, in Canada, in the United Kingdom, in Australia, in the United States of America. He's He's got a real... Um, mixture between Ric Flair, Harley Race vibes to him for me as an NWA champion. He crossed over to ROH. He he's and done defenses he, in ROH he, as he well. Defend the title against Marty Skrull, and, and, and you know he he's doing with the NWA title now what it, what was done with the title 40, 50 years ago. 
you know, the yes. cha- the champion went all over the place and defended that title against any uh, the, the, the top guy in every promotion. Well, that's kind of what Nick Aldis is kind of doing right now. You know what I mean? He's, you know, he's not traveling as much, obviously, lately, especially since they got their TV show. But he's, you know, he is that champion. He is, he's the, the new incarnation of a 1960s and 70s NWA champion, for sure. And I love it. By the time, by the time most of you guys listen to this podcast, Nick Aldis is on his second reign as a champion. He is at over 855 days as champion, and he will be passing Jack Briscoe as the 10th longest reigning champion of all time. He, NWA, I want to say, um, this title, this company, and uh, uh, Billy Corgan has saved Nick Aldis. Uh, he is carrying the uh, NWA banner. He, 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 exactly, and it's really saved his career. Um I watched a, a documentary not long ago with him in it where he says he's he doesn't care about the money he's doing exactly with his career what he wants to be doing right now. If you look just not long ago, what was his character's name? Magnus? Yeah. Um, you know, what was he doing with that? TNA didn't know what the fuck to do with him. No, he had a very forgotten reign as the world champion. I, I, if he would have went to WWE, he probably would have went the way of, of EC3. Yeah, he'd be lost. Exactly. Um, NWA knew exactly what to do with him. And he is the man in the NWA right now. Uh, I love everything about yeah, he, it. Uh, they got, you know, Camille is a perfect side piece for him. Um, everything they're doing is great. Uh I'm so happy to hear you 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 give Aldis his due right now. And the funny thing is, he hasn't even scratched the fucking surface of his, yes. of his full potential. He's, he's still young. They're just getting warm. He's up. still young. This company, I know it's weird to call the NWA young, but, you know, this era of the company, the Corgan era of the company, the power uh, era of the company is still young. There is a lot to be done and Aldis at the front of the path is going to leave this company right places and he's going to make the NWA championship mean something again. Well, and, and you know, and he, he defeated Tim Storm for his oh. first train, but you really got to talk about Storm? his feud was... I, you know what? I haven't seen enough of Tim Storm to give a, a comment yet. I'm a little... I'm behind on the NWA a little bit right now. I do watch as much of all this stuff yeah. as I can. Um, go, go back but you got to talk about a few. Start binging few. power, man. You really need to bi- just binge the I shit out of power. It's so good. Yeah, I, I have to. But we got to talk about his feud with Cody. Oh, absolutely. Um, massive, right. massive. His second uh, favorite feud he's had in the last few years. Second only to with Marty well, Skrull. Let's be real. You got to give Cody props. Cody... Um, help put a lot of eyes back on the NWA as well. Cody's hot. Cody's hot right now and, and especially back when, when they had their feud, Cody was he was one of the most talked about guys in the professional yep. wrestling industry. And I think it's safe to say that their match at All In has probably been the biggest NWA world title match in the last 20 years. I mean, yeah. 30 years? I, well, I don't know. Man, they sold out an arena an NWA title on the line. Not to, like a yeah. big arena. Like I, I can't remember 
you know, I, I think it's the most important NWA title match in at least the last okay. 20 years. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you at least the, the last 15. But yeah. Okay, you won't, you won't spot me five more well, I'm just Because I'm thinking of the, uh, of the beginning of, uh, of TNA when, when they were bringing the title back, really. Uh, but What's your biggest I, 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 I what, no, That's why I'm not now. saying you're wrong. I, I'd have to really sit back and, you know, look at the early TNA uh, championship matches and stuff like that. But uh, I can tell you right now what it is. It was Raven and Jeff Jarrett. What's that? That was the biggest – that Raven and Jeff Jarrett was the most hyped NWA title match in TNA history, I think. All right. Well, in that case, then uh, Aldis and Cody it is. I'm taking my five years. I'm fighting for him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when we're speaking of number five, there let's we go. go. Right now. Nice segue. Let's jump in. We're going with Mr. Dory Funk mm-hmm. Jr. Absolutely. Dory Spot Funk. Uh, legend. Yeah. Legendary Funk family. Uh, Dory had a hell of a run. He won the belt on February 11th, 1969. He beat our good friend, number seven, Gene Kaniski. Dory held the belt for four years, man. That's 1,563 days. He's the fourth longest reigning champion of all time. Lost the belt to Harley Race on May 24th of 73. Like, four years as the champion. He only had one reign as the belt, and he's the fourth longest reigning champion of all time. Fourth reigning champion. That, that's, that's incredible. Um, I obviously didn't grow up watching Dory. Um, I didn't even know no. who Dory was until I was a teenager. And it was because, you know, I knew who Terry was. And then later on, you find out that Terry's got this brother who came before him and, and, and you know, led the way for him. And then when you start doing your research, you're like, oh, Terry Funk is probably the more famous of the Funks, but I'm not sure he's the more talented of the Funks. Dory Funk really laid the groundwork for a lot of guys in the early days in the NWA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely he was. Um, Dory Funk was actually supposed to drop the belt to Jack Briscoe, um, but but he got in a, a pickup truck accident on his dad's ranch and couldn't drop the belt. Now, a lot of people are saying that Funk faked all that because his dad didn't want him to drop the belt to another uh, wrestler. And they, they didn't want him to be outshined by a wrestler. You know what I mean? So this is back when there's a lot of politics oh, yeah. still going on in the NWA. Um, you know, and you got to talk about the Funks and the Briscoes. What a legendary feud Absolutely. they had for many years. Uh, singles matches, Terry, Dory, Gerald, Jack. Like, they all were all over the place. Tag team matches. Um, the most interesting stat, though, that I found out about Dory is that he was the first champion since Luthez to defend the belt in Japan. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, him and Terry are the only brothers yeah, so I'm to guess the Baba. belt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was Baba. Yeah, and uh, him and him and Terry were the only two brothers to, to win the championship, huh. which is also cool. And he was a big draw at the box office. He was big in the Florida, the Texas oh, area. Uh, Dory Funk I, Jr. I, 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 I think Dory Funk Jr. Know? was probably the most famous wrestler in Texas whose last name wasn't Von Erich. Yeah. Yeah. Him or him or Terry, right? The Funks, the Von Erichs, at Texas, you know, and now you can look, you know, Austin, Mike, all these. Yeah. But I'm talking like the seventies, you know what I mean? Like, like, 
I, yeah, I, guess, yeah. I guess there's something you know, that could be said about Dusty as well, but you you thought about the Von Erics first, and then you thought about the Funks. That'd be a fun idea for a list: the top seven countries that put out the biggest performance, or or, or or regions or areas. Anyways, yeah, yeah, region, yeah, something like that. We we tweak it a little bit. I'm just talking. About uh, I here. do think I do think that Texas probably has put out the most, you know, consistent list of professional wrestlers. Like, like we could probably list 15, 20 wrestlers that are Hall of Fame nominees at the very least from Texas. You know what yep. I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Texas, that, that might be the... That you, might you, be know, you know, you, you, can, you can talk about your Carolinas, you can talk about your Floridas, you can talk about your Calgarys, but I don't think... Don't sleep on I Minneapolis, think man. Any or Minnesota as well. Yeah, for a lot of guys came out of Minnesota. Um, but I don't think any state has pumped out as many wrestlers as like high caliber wrestlers as the state of Texas. No, I can't argue. I can't argue that again. And I, I'd like to argue because I like arguing with you, <laughs> fun, but. I can't. Texas men, you know, Stan Hansen, freaking Jose Lothario, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, Von Erichs, like Terry Funk. The Undertaker, Holy, Booker right? T. The Undertaker, right? Unbelievable. Tully Blanchard. Yeah, the list goes on and on and on for Texas. It's crazy. Yeah, maybe we don't need to do that <laughs> list, and that's pretty easy, number one. <laughs> and that is well, our countdown. I guess we, I guess, I guess we could do the top movie. seven out of Texas. Yeah, pretty much. I'm. I don't want that list. Don't put them. Why? 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 Too many Mexicans on that list. You can't pronounce their names. I can't pronounce anybody's <laughs> names, man. I couldn't pronounce or Orville, whatever the heck that guy's name was. You're gonna get me. You're gonna get the heat on me oh, again, man. man. I'm still trying. I'm still reeling from the the top <laughs> seven Japanese wrestlers. List. So, uh, do you have anything left to say about our good friend Dory Funk? Uh, no, you know, check out some of his stuff. I know it's a little bit of a, do a you, tougher do you watch have to a go favorite, back and watch some of the stuff. Do you stuff have a favorite that. Dory Funk match? Um, yeah, I, I like the tag match. I think it was him and Terry against Brody and uh, and Snooka, I want to say. Okay. I can't remember. It's it's. I like a lot of their tag stuff from Japan. Hmm, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, they, they're, they're tag stuff. I'm a big fan of the Funks as a tag team. Well, uh, a, ta- a tag match does have four men. So uh, who's your fourth man, sir? Well, Mike, I'm very, very impressed <laughs> with that segue. My number four. I like that. I like that. My number four is, you know, this is going to this is going to surprise some people. I put Pat O'Connor as my number four. Wow. Yeah. All right. I, I I need you, and I'm not um, I'm not calling you out. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just really need you to justify this because I've got my top three that you it, our top threes can't be different because then you're wrong. But then I can think of I can think of uh, about nine guys to fit in that number four spot, and Pat O'Connor isn't one of them. Pat O'Connor won the belt on January the ninth, nineteen fifty nine, from Dick. Hutton, he won that in front of 5,000 people, by the way, which is a big draw in that time. 
He held the belt for 903 days before losing it to Buddy Rogers on June 30th, 1961. That match was held in front of 38,622 people in Kaminsky Field in Chicago. I want you to think about that for a second. 38,622 people in 1961. This was a North American attendance record that lasted until the big event in Toronto in 1985, main evented by Hogan and Orndorff. That gate in Chicago was a record that lasted for almost 20 years. Hmm. This guy was a big deal. He was a draw. He defeated Yukon Eric in front of 30,000 fans before that. He was one of the first stars that really got a rub from this new concept called TV. <laughs> now, I don't Pat know. O'Connor, Pat O'Connor drew. Was, was, he, was he a baby face? Yes, he was a baby face. Now, the Buddy Rogers match is actually, I, I believe, I, I don't know if I posted it yet as my YouTube match of the day, but I will soon. But it's a real famous match where um, that's the one where Buddy Rogers wins the belt. And he, he cuts that promo after it. It's been shown a lot. Uh, it's a pretty famously uh, televised match. It's the only Pat O'Connor match I've ever seen, actually. Uh, but by looking at his stats, looking at his numbers, this man was a huge draw. He's one of the biggest drawing NWA champions of all time. Uh, and, and this is a cool stat, too. In May of 1960, he's in the middle of his title run, and he was crowned the inaugural AWA world champion. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. He held the belt for 90 days, did not defend it once, and was stripped of the title. The belt awarded to okay. Vern Gagne for the first of a thousand with, times. I was just about to say, I thought that Vern Gagne was the first champion. Um, I, I didn't uh, realize that uh, Vern Gagne uh, just got it from a guy who didn't ever fight for it. Yeah, no, Pat O'Connor mm. was the, the inaugural AW World Champion. So that's got, and, and this is where, you know, and you hear these stories, and I'm going to get into the, the Buddy Rogers in a little bit about how he kind of branched off from the NWA to start the WWF. Yeah. Uh, but but Pat O'Connor, Vern Gagne, I guess there was a, a political dispute there, and that's how Vern Gagne branched off and started the AWA World oh. Championship because he was not going to get over for the NWA title. Okay, let me ask you something now. If, yeah. if Pat O'Connor was such a big draw in this, in this time, and he was such a good champion, and, and you know, uh, he did all this, and you know, he he was the first AWA champion. If if this is all true about this man, why do you think he doesn't have much of a legacy now? I just think he he just got lost in the shuffle of bigger personalities. You know, Pat O'Connor was just a a wrestler. Why, you know what I mean? You, he wasn't fancy. He wasn't. Why do flashy. we still know the name? You uh, know. The majority of wrestling fans, they're going to know the name Jack Briscoe. They're going to Why do they know, know Jack the name Briscoe? Wahoo McDaniels. You know what I mean? Why do we don't know Pat O'Connor? You want to know why I think, and this is, this is a really sad state of the wrestling fan these days. Do you want to know why I think most people know the name Jack Briscoe? Because of Jerry Briscoe. It's because Ric Flair always mentions him when he's talking about legendary oh, okay. champions. Like, you know, if you substitute Flair saying Briscoe's yeah. name and you put O'Connor yeah. in there, 
I guarantee you that Briscoe gets lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Oh. That, that's my take on it. Uh, Pat O'Connor, you know, his reign ended shortly after television became yeah. a thing. Uh, you know what I mean? They, so he wasn't in that TV era. So he's just on the outskirts of that. And I, I just think he's a guy that over time, you know, the bigger personalities, the champions, the whatever, I think, I think O'Connor got lost in the shuffle. O'Connor had such a big presence to him. The year that he passed away, WCW held a, the Pat O'Connor Memorial Tag Team Tournament at Starcade 90. And the Steiner That's brothers won that. Right. I actually forgot about that. Hmm. All right. So I just, you know, and I, I, there are some other names that I could have put in this place. But again, I looked at the stats of that. You're telling me that a guy within the span of uh, two years with each other, I believe, uh, drew 30, 000, over 30,000 fans twice in the time period that was in the early 60s, late 60s. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. No, I, like I said, I, I, like I was not ready to argue with you. But he, it's not a name that came up to me first. I think I have to sit down and maybe watch some Pat O'Connor stuff and do some reading. Because, uh, yeah, yeah he, you know, he, again, he, like he, the, the, the style is different. It's harder to go back and watch that style. It's very slow paced. It's very mad orientated. Uh, his match with Buddy Rogers is pretty entertaining. I don't know a whole lot about UConn, Eric, but I know that he wasn't a guy that could probably draw 30,000 right. people. And I get Buddy Rogers. He was a big draw at the time. He was the top, one of the top heels in wrestling. So I understand maybe 38,000 people with those two together. But I think that 30,000 people is very heavily on paddle Connor. Oh, all right. Well, um, if you're like me and you know very little about Pat O'Connor, I think you also have your homework out to do, guys. Uh, go uh, go do your, uh, your Googling and your YouTubing. Uh, Check out some Pat O'Connor stuff and uh, jump on our Facebook. Let, let us know what you think of it because uh, I want to know if you agree with Tyler that Pat O'Connor is the fourth greatest NWA champion of all time. I'm going to take heat for who I left off the list. I understand that. And especially when I tell you my number three, I'm going to take immediate heat from you. Uh, okay, go. My number three is Harley Race. See, he's who I expected to be your number four. Yeah. Um, there's one of three guys. I don't know which of the three you're leaving off the list, but already I'm pissed off that all three of them are off. But at the same time, I'd be pissed if Harley wasn't on your list because, you know, so either way, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Jesus. Listen, when, when you find out which one of the three I left off the list and I tell you the reasoning why, I think the O'Connor is going to make you have more good sense. Reasoning, I, 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 we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but you, you better be able to justify it. That's all I know. Talk about, talk about some King Harley. Man, for, before I get into Harley, is my Pat O'Connor points not legitimate for having yes. him on this list? Yeah. I don't think I took okay. number four, but yes. Har- you know what? I had him. Uh, he wasn't on my four originally. And the more that I read about him, the more impressed that I got. Uh, I, I originally had Dory Funk like, at I'm my probably, number four. I but personally, just the, knowing your list, I would have kept on the guy that I'm thinking of. And I would have knocked Kaczynski off to put O'Connor in the seventh spot. 
Yeah, and and again, I'll, I'll get into my reasoning behind that as well because there are, there's two two very big names that are going to be missing from my list that that everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? And, oh, and yeah, I just have I, my I reasons. I can already for tell it. you, there's more than two, but <laughs> well, we're all, we're all <laughs> well, I only seven, seven so. spots. <laughs> all right, let's talk. Let's talk about some Harley race here. Eight-time NWA World Champion, 1,801 days combined as champion, third of all time. Uh, I just kind of went through his win and loss as the belt because uh, he's got a kind of a fun story and, and, and a lot of big names that he, he's won and lost the belt from. Uh, his first title reign, he defeated Dory Funk Jr., which we talked about. Uh, it only lasted 57 days, though, before he lost it to Jack Briscoe. Uh, that was in uh, J- July of 73. He did not get the belt back until 77 when he defeated Terry Funk in Toronto, uh, which I think is cool that he defeated was both Funks the for the belt. That was at the Garden, yeah. And that reign lasted for 926 days before he lost it to the American Dream, hmm. Dusty Rhodes. He defeated Dusty 66 days later to regain the belt. And then he kind of went on this thing with, uh, and he's done this a couple times. He had a lot of respect in Japan. He was very respected in Japan. He loved Japan, had a great relationship. He swapped the belt a couple times yes. with Giant Baba. Yeah. Uh, and he came back. He lost the belt to Wildfire Tommy Rich, which he regained five days later before losing to Dusty Rhodes again. Uh, his last real run with the belt came uh, when he beat Ric Flair. Uh, he ended Flair's first title reign. And then that set up their rematch at the very first ever Starcade, uh, which which race put over Flair uh, inside the steel cage. That was November 24th, 1983, with our good friend Gene Kaniski right. as the special referee. Uh, Harley had his actual last title reign, though, uh, on a tour between New Zealand and Singapore. Him and Flair kind of switched the belt back and forth. Uh, just for whatever, just how show yeah. switches, you know what I mean? They didn't get acknowledged for a little while. They were they were finally acknowledged years later. Some cool stuff with Harley Race, though. First of all, let's talk about what a great problem. Right. There's a few things I want to talk about Harley Race, and you, you, you hit <laughs> the number one thing on the list for me is his promos. I don't think people talk about his promos enough because he came from an era of the Dusty Roads and the Ric Flairs, and they kind of, you know, you think of those guys first. But don't sleep on a Harley promo. Oh my God! When Harley yeah. Race talks, you better listen, otherwise you're going to be in for a world of trouble. Yeah, right. Like he, I I love his promo when he put the bounty on Ric Flair's head. Personally, I don't know if you have ever seen that one or not. not it's sure. it's great. That 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 one. Uh, I think that one uh, escaped me. Uh, possibly, I don't remember that one. I'll find I'll find a link and shoot it to you. Maybe I'll put it up on our Facebook page too, just because yeah. we're on that NWA kick right now. Uh, a cool thing about Harley Race that I that I, I really liked is that uh, he was the world champion. He defended in Madison Square Gardens for the WWF against Bob Backlund and superstar Billy Graham, and he also defended the title in title for title matches, of course. And he also defended the title and title for title matches against Rick Martel and Nick Bockwinkle in the AWA, right. which I think is really cool. And that's not something that you see very often. Uh, you'll never see that now. That would be the equivalent of having uh, uh, John Moxley fight 
you know, whoever the world, Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre right now. I think, you, I you think would the never last see time that we saw that anything close to that. Well, then again, uh, other than other than uh, you know uh, the NWA Championship and the ROH Championship, that almost doesn't count. Uh, but uh, I think the last time we saw anything kind of like that would have been Taz versus Mike Awesome. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, it would have been Taz versus Triple H on SmackDown, right? ECW, right? But, but we're talking about a it was a WCW contracted wrestler taking on a WWF contracted wrestler for an ECW championship uh, inside an ECW. You know, unreal, never right? see anything like that, that again. But you used to see stuff like that back in the territory days. This happened a lot, yeah. There, there's pictures of, of you know guys like Luthez uh, with other and title for title matches, and Flair did a couple in the Garden as well. Like it was an interesting time back then that that no. I don't see happening again. Unfortunately, not. anytime soon. Um, you know, may, may, maybe we uh-huh. we end up getting some uh, New Japan AEW crossovers. I mean, not not maybe we already have. Uh, but you know, that's as far as yeah. As far yeah. as WWE goes, no. We won't be seeing any crossovers anytime soon. Uh, the NWA felt good having the belt on did. Harley too, because he, he was a legit tough guy. He, you don't fuck with Harley Race. Um, he was one of those guys. He was one of the greatest heels in the world, but he was also a draw. Usually, now usually back mm-hmm. then, the the whole you know point or the, the the duty of the heel was to get the the baby face over and the baby face's role was to be the draw harley yep. did it all harley was the heel and the draw you know well and Harley was like a safety net too. I know I know Flair tells a great story about uh when one of his first reigns as the champion and they, they sent him over to Japan and, and the NWA was worried that one of these guys was gonna shoot on Flair and try to take the belt. So they sent Harley. And that was it. They they knew there and Harley just had to look at the I guy. Think Harley, no bullshit and Harley was like, the original man. That. Yeah. Yeah, he like and, and that's it. And Flair Flair was safe. He, he knew he had nothing to worry race. about. No. Harley Race had some great feuds too, man. He toured well, first of all, he toured everywhere. Japan, Toronto. He was constantly in Stampede Wrestling, Australia, Florida, New York, Minnesota. He had a feud with the the Sheik in Detroit. Uh feuds with the Funks, Dusty Rhodes, Dick the Bruiser. He body slammed Andre the Giant when nobody body slammed Andre the Giant. So that just shows the respect that Harley exactly, Race had. Exactly, because Andre didn't want it to happen, it wasn't going to fucking happen. Andre, Andre only put over yeah. the people he respected. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my my famous my favorite story. Harley Race story is is Flair, and again, Flair tells this. Whenever someone would talk to him about putting a match together, you know, Mister Race, Mister Race, what what would you like to do out there tonight? And Harley would be smoking a cigarette and he would just look up at him and go, what's your finish? My, my finish is whatever. Right. And Harley would just look at him and go, I'll move. 
and smoke a cigarette again, which I, I think that's hilarious, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he he was all business, but he knew how to conduct business in the ring. You didn't need, you know, he, he I don't think he would have worked well with the macho mans of the world, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but he Very, did work well with Hogan. Yeah. They had some great matches yes. when Harley finally came over. I, I also like my, my last Harley point that I have is, uh, and I, this just came to the top of my head when, right now, uh, when Vince was doing his takeover and he came into the St. Louis territory, which was Harley's territory, Harley showed up. Harley was supposed to do a show and he's told Flair he's leaving and going to the W. He went right into the WWF locker room and got right <laughs> in Hogan's face. And everyone was scared. Everyone was scared of Harley. I, I have... Uh... I have one last uh, little, little little thing about Harley. I want to quickly talk about his influence on professional wrestling. Because of everybody else yes. on this list, I don't think anybody has the influence quite like Harley did. You look at some of these guys that have come up in the last 25 years. Um, look at Triple H's moveset. And tell me he didn't get half of it from Harley Race. Oh, yeah. Look at Steve Austin. Look, look, look at Steve Harley Austin's moveset. You know what I mean? These these guys, these guys studied yeah. under the Harley Race tree. Ric Flair has gone on record to say Harley Race is the, the greatest world champion of all time, right? I believe. So, uh, you know, you had so many generations of professional wrestlers. Mm mimicking and, and 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 molding their own careers after Harley race um and I'll uh I'll just go out and say it one of the greatest men to use the king moniker ever oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I love King Harley race that's, that's, we, that's we have a lot memories. of kings of, in think... the last 40 years there's been a lot of kings. Uh, but if you were to do a top seven yeah. list, I think Harley's at least top two. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think the the word that we can use to describe Harley Race, yeah. respect. Everybody respects Harley Race. He He's respect. one of those rare guys that, uh, you know, he falls into that um, Eddie Guerrero category where nobody says bad shit about Harley. Even the guys that yep. may have had heat with Harley back in the day still talk about him now in a, in a fond light. Oh, well, now that he's passed on, they might be they they might feel a little bit safer to not be so kind. But I'm sure they were too fucking scared well, to say anything bad about him when he was alive. Uh, Harley that, Race, uh, I, I'm that's a, a strong number Race. three. Uh, good spot, good spot for him. Yeah. Um, I personally would have put it about number four, but that's just me. Uh, I'm definitely yeah. not going to talk yeah. to talk to you about a number three spot for Harley Race because he is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, good way to good way to crack open the top three. Who's your number two? This is where I had um, I went back and forth between my number one and my number you, two. You should be having times. a crisis of faith um, at this point, Jesus. Yeah, this was tough, man. Like, especially looking at at, at my list. Uh, and again, I went with a lot of statistics over over a lot of big names. You know what I mean? Um, I, I felt like I had justifiable points for everybody. This is what the hardest positioning that I had to do. And for my number two, I went with. And I know this is going to sound weird, but I think the most important champion in the history of the company, Luthen. Yeah. Okay. 
he is also my number two. Yeah. Um, just like I you, I Lou... fought back and forth because he was my number one. And then he was... He was my one, first he number, was one number one as well. He went back and forth and back and forth. He never went lower than two. Never. No. No. I, I knew my top three. As soon as you gave me this list, I knew it was going to be Harley, right. Lou, and my number one. Uh, I just... And I, I just... Went back and forth. I thought Lou was going to be my unanimous number one. Uh, and I'll explain why he's not um, when I get to my number one. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Lou Thez, let's talk about him, man. Without this man, first of all, there would be no NWA. He He's the, the heart and soul, the backbone. He is the reason why there yeah. is an NWA. He is he's a three-time he's champion. Hogan. He, he is your sting. He is your, 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 your you know, your, your Dusty Rhodes He's the the main guy of any era of professional wrestling. That's who Lufez was in the first fucking 30 years of our sport. Yes. He is a three-time NWA champion with a combined days as champion of 3,749 days. That's first all time. That works out to being 10 years, three months, and nine days. One of the champion. toughest motherfuckers on the planet. Nobody messed with Luthez because he would, you know, everything that you say about um, a guy like uh, Stu Hart could probably be said 10 times for Luthez. You you didn't want him to touch you because he would stretch the fuck out of you. Well, and that's that's one of the main reasons why the NWA always went to Thez because he could take care of himself and they knew because this was a time when there was a lot of backstabbing. People were trying to get the champion into mm-hmm. their territories. Like this was a dangerous time to be the world champion. And when Lou had the belt, exactly. nobody would try anything. And if they did, he <laughs> would get the shit kicked out of you. He was a draw. Um, he was he was a massive draw. If you knew, if if you're a promoter and you're putting him in your main event, you knew you're going to sell out that show. It was a simple. Yes. Uh, he was awarded his first championship, however, on November 27, 1949, due to a career-ending injury suffered by Orville Brown, who we talked about earlier. So Zez is the second champion of all time. Um, Zez became looked at as the undisputed champion of wrestling because he won the world title in, Los An- in the Los Angeles territory, unifying them. And those were the big two championships at the time. Uh, this is before WWF. This is before end of, uh, sorry, any, right. any other promotion. You know what I mean? AWA, uh, the WC, all that stuff. This was this was the first two big top promotions, and Zez unified the titles. He dropped the belt to a Toronto boy and Ripper Billy Watson. Uh, he needed some time off. He was burnt out. Uh, he had a nagging uh, leg injury, I believe, that he wanted to rest up. Uh, he regained the belt back eight months later, so respectable reign by Ripper Billy Watson, who's a personal favorite of mine. Thez uh, became the first wrestler to defend the world oh, title wow. in Japan. He defended against Ricky Dozon in a series of 60-minute draws, and because of these matches, it helped popularize wrestling in Japan. Uh, it gained wrestling mainstream acceptance in Japan, uh, and Thez and wanted to he wanted to go to Japan almost full time because the money was so good over huh. there, but the NWA wouldn't let him. Uh, there was a lot, a lot of politics there. 
So that's he was supposed to drop the title to Buddy Rogers, who he could not stand. So instead, he asked to drop the belt to Dick Hutton, who we talked about earlier as well, because um, he didn't he just he didn't like what Buddy Rogers stood for. Zez was a serious shooter wrestler. Buddy Rogers was the flamboyant, uh, as he called him, uh, stuntman, circus driver. You know what I mean? Like he was like what people are yeah. calling the young bucks now. You know what I mean? Which is funny. Um, a really cool fact about Luthez here that I that I thought was pretty awesome is that after he dropped the belt, he went on a tour of Europe and Japan, and he just built himself as the NWA International Champion. This belt is still active to this day and is part of the All Japan Oh, that's insane. I didn't Academy. know that. That's cool. Yeah. So Zez, you know, helped one of his belts is uh, one of the most prestigious I, I, titles in Japan. I almost think they should rename that Luthez title. The All Japan Triple Crown? Um, the, so Zez was pretty much semi-retired at that point. Uh, but the NWA brought Zez out of retirement to make sure that Buddy Rogers dropped the belt because Rogers was going to go with Vince to start the W Vince senior to start the WWWF. And, and they wanted to make sure that Rogers wasn't going to try any funny business. So what do you do when you need to get your belt back from someone you think is going to fuck you over? You call Lou Zez. Buddy mm-hmm. Rogers had no problem yeah. dropping the belt. And that was that was his last reign as champion. He held the belt for two years before dropping the belt to good old Gene Kanitsky, oh. number seven. It all comes full circle. A lot of cool facts I, about um, Mr. I'll tell you two things here. Um, you know, everything I said about Harley Race and his influence can be said about Lutez. Uh, you know, as much as, mm-hmm. as much influence as you see on uh, the last twenty years of wrestlers from Harley, you'll definitely see from Luthez. Uh, I mean, look at Steve Austin; one of his signature moves was the Thez Press. You know, uh, one of my yep. personal favorite wrestling moves. I love that move; I always have. Um, yeah, you know, it's um, a cool. I'll tell you what, what, one of my uh, a way that Luthez has touched me personally. Um, Back in the uh, early 2000s, when the WWE first uh, released the Loose Cannon Brian Pillman DVD, they, they, uh, yeah. part of that documentary stated that Brian was such a student of the game that he had a tattered o- a old copy of Luthez's book, Hooker. That he carried mm-hmm. with him at all times, and he recited it. It was like his Bible. And I found that so cool that I made it my life's goal for about six years to track down a copy of that book. And because it has been out of uh, production now for over 30 years. Well, back in 2006, I finally met a guy who owned a copy of it. And he would not sell it to me. So you know what he did for me was he took it to his office and he Xeroxed every page for me. And and unfortunately, I don't (laughs) have those Xerox pages anymore. But uh, that's how I ended up reading Lutez's book, which is one of my favorite uh, wrestling themed books I've ever read in my life. Uh, I thought you were going to tell me that you hit him with the test. Maybe I should have done that. 
Yeah. Put them in a heel hook or something. Them. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it was all because I knew if, if, if Brian, if, if, if that book was so important to Brian Pillman and Brian Pillman was important to me, if, if Fez was that important to Brian Pillman, I knew that I had to get a copy of that book. And that made me respect Fez even more reading that book because nobody respected no the kidding. art of professional wrestling the way that Lufez did. You know, he he didn't talk about professional wrestling the way that people talk about it now. And I'm not, and I'm not saying people don't no. love it anymore. I'm just saying that it's a different sort of passion now than it was 40, 50 years ago. And <laughs> nobody was as passionate about it as Lufez. On, you mentioned Brian Pillman. Just to give a cheap plug back to our YouTube page, I do tell a, uh, a very personal Brian Pillman story about my own uh, on one of our future watch-alongs with Jay. We we watch uh, a triple threat match. I'll give it I'll give it away now between uh, Sid, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart from the Sky Dome, and I tell a great oh, Brian Pillman story. I look forward to that. Check out YouTube for that. Uh, the, just the last couple points about Zez after he dropped the belt to Kanitsky. He kind of wrestled part-time over the next 13 years. Uh, the last big title he won was the, the UWA world title in Mexico. He was 62 at the time. Uh, he was the first champion uh, in the UWA Mexico, which was a big promotion for many years. Uh, he had his last match at the age of 74 against his protege Masahiro Chono. And that makes him one of two professional wrestlers to wrestle in seven def- different decades. And the other one being Abdullah the Butcher. Wow. Which is kind of I, weird didn't, I didn't know that Abby wrestled in seven different uh, decades. Did, did he yeah. pass yeah. along his hepatitis C in all seven of them? I'm sure he did. Abby, <laughs> that bastard. Although I would like to steal a fork from his restaurant <laughs> if I ever do go. <laughs> that guy, like... I guarantee you that they oh, probably sure. go through so many forks at that restaurant I'm from every sure. wrestling fan yeah. that goes in there and steals a fork. All right. Well, if that's your number two, Tyler, who's your number one and why is it Ric Flair? Uh, like a good man once said, what caused all this? Woo! Gotta go with the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, I mean, as my number one. You, that, um, it it kind of had to be a number one as well. Um, I'll spill the beans. Uh, my number three, a guy that you left off the list, list completely, and we'll get to this because I need you to justify it. Um, my number three was Dusty Rhodes. Um, yes. The the two hardest names that I, I had a yeah. hard time with was Dusty okay, Rhodes uh, and Jack Briscoe. Those were the two that... We'll get into that. Let's 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 not jump too far ahead. Cause I know you're fired up with me for leaving Dusty off, and I know that everybody listening is because every comment that I saw that we let that was brought to us by the Canada community. I got every personal DMs from a buddy of mine, uh, and I'll give him a shout out right now. My buddy Shane. I got a a DM saying, "Fucking Dusty, better be on your list." I said, "Hey man, it's Tyler's list this week. I can't control that motherfucker." And, he, and and then he's the Undertaker, and oh, wow, he says, man. "If Dusty's not on Tyler's list, he will rest in peace." <laughs> Shit, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Shane. I do have my reasons for it. We are going to get into it. 
let's talk a little bit about the 10-time NWA world champion. Woo! Then he put boy, this title on the map the way Rick Flair did. Let's just um, say it. This is my take on the NWA title. The most important champion yeah. in the history of that company is Luthens. Yes. And he might be the most respected world champion of all time. But in my opinion, the greatest world champion in the history of professional wrestling. That I will Warrior agree player. with you on. When people call him the greatest in-ring performer, I will usually say, all right, let's discuss this. However... If we're talking yes. champions, we're talking draws with a title, you don't get better than the Nature Boy. He is he the greatest world champion helped, in the history of professional he wrestling. Make so he the has NWA. To be yes. Did, 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 did Dusty and Magnum have a lot to do with it as well? Did Tully and Arn and, you know, all the, of course, they all helped. Of course they did. But. Rick, but with those guys be as over. Rick, also, Dusty needed Rick to be there. Magnum, everybody needed Rick. Everybody None needed of these Rick. guys get over without Rick. You, you said it when we talked about Harley Race. The goal of the champion is to come in, make the local, yeah. um, you know, the territory star look great, not lose the belt, and move on to the next town. There is nobody that because Ric Flair could come in, make you look like a million bucks, but still walk away not looking weak. Nobody, yeah, yeah, he's gonna come into your territory. He's gonna work for an hour. He's gonna sleep with your girlfriend. You know, move on to the next town. This this is a side story, but a little side uh, side uh, note. But one of my favorite memes of all time. Is that one of Rick? It's Rick Flair in a bed on the phone, and he's just saying, "Yes, this is Rick Flair. No, you cannot talk to your wife." <laughs> <laughs> he's the nature boy, man. Rick Flair. Let's just talk about before we get into his reign as a champion. Oh. Let's just talk about the influence he has in in mainstream, not, not even just in professional the wrestling, world right the world. Day. He's rappers want him. Whatever that rapper you know, is, women in their thirties, twenties still want to fuck him. He, he looks like the crypt keeper. It's crazy, man. He's the nature boy. He's, he's the nature boy all the way through football teams. Sports teams love Ric Flair. They're, everyone's thing now is give me two claps and a Ric Flair, and they yeah. go. Woo! Like it's their hype, man. He comes in and does announcements. He's friends with LeBron. There is James. no bigger like, star in the world. Professional wrestling. Uh, I will flat out say it. Hulk Hogan ain't I, got I shit on Ric Flair. If you if you put their careers side by side, Hogan might have drawn more money at his prime than Flair did in his prime. But if you're looking at longevity, you're looking at relevance, you're looking at uh, Hogan legacies, drew more in a span of, of nine years. Ric Flair drew for 40 yeah. fucking years. Hogan, Hogan can't say that. Hogan can't say that. Hogan, Hogan changed the industry. 
Hogan and Vince. Hogan and Vince changed the industry. Yes. Ric Flair so is so well a put. Culture. Very well put. He is he is his own entity. You know, if 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 professional wrestling was Reddit, Ric Flair would have his own subreddit. Where you know what I mean? Where where it's this whole separate thing of just Ric Flair. Ric Flair is his own planet, you know, uh, a planet called Space Mountain. He is a 10-time NWA champion. He has held the belt for 300, sorry, 3,116 combined days, second all-time next to Luther. You're talking 10 Which to 3. Which is crazy because Dez held the belt for... <laughs> for but it was, a, it was a different era. You know, Bruno, you know, you you can talk about Bruno San Martino all you want, you know, because he had it for how many thousands of days over eight years. But, you know, that was a different era. So, so the same could be said with Fez versus, it was versus Rick. (laughs) He beat Dusty Rhodes for his first title. Um, He's got a crazy story where he was fighting in the Dominican Republic uh, against a fellow named Jack uh, Vinino, I believe is the pronunciation of it. And they had the crowd ready to riot to the point where Flair took this guy and made him pin him and lost the belt because he was so scared of getting out of the ring. The NWA never uh, acknowledged it, right? Um but the funny part about this story, and you'll get a kick out of this, Flair went back for a rematch. Who's that? It's the same guy. You know who he brought with him to have his back? Ah, ah. Your, your boy. No better Robert enforcer Piper. than the hot rod. How wild do you think Flair and Piper in the Dominican Republic would have been at that time frame of their lives? That is so insane. Wow. Right, uh, so the NWA obviously never acknowledged that title reign. Uh, he dropped the belt for real to Harley Race, which we talked about setting up the very first ever Starcade, yes. which was called a Flare for the Gold. Uh, we talked about him swapping the belt with Harley in the New, the New Zealand tour, uh, tour. Um, and then he dropped the belt to Kerry Von Erich in front of over fifty thousand people at Texas Stadium. That was at the David Von Erich Parade of Champions. Which uh, at the time of recording, actually, I oh, put that as my match of the day today on our Facebook page, counted at seven. We're we're in the middle of doing a three part look at the Kerry uh, Von Eric Ric Flair feud over the NWA title. Uh, so unfortunately for Kerry Von Eric, though, his reign only lasted eighteen days before Flair won the belt back in Japan. Uh, then he dropped the belt to. The, Guys like Dusty Rhodes and Ronnie Garvin, uh, and then he won back the belt each time. So they just kind of swapped it around. And then we get into which might be, I would say, some of the most legendary matches of his career against Ricky Steamboat. Dropped the belt to Steamboat. They had those three classic matches on uh, between the Clash of the Champions and the pay-per-views. Well, I don't know. If you've never watched those, you guys got to do yourself a favor and watch Flair and Steamboat tear the house down. What do you think of that, Mike? Yeah, yeah, Mike I'm here, here. I'm here. I can't hear you, yes. Mike. I'm here. Oh. Just keep going. I sorry, I have to uh, 
quickly pop in on a crying baby, but uh, you be back with you in two ah. seconds. Well, I will keep talking about how great Ric Flair is then. Uh, I'm going to start pick right up talking about his series of matches with Steamboat. He dropped about the Steamboat at the Chi-Town Rumble. Uh, unbelievable match. They they went on to have a draw, I believe, at the Clash of the Champions. Or Steamboat might have went over in that one as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. They went for almost an hour in, in New Orleans at the, the Superdome, I believe, uh, before finally wrapping it up at... Uh, um, their last pay-per-view oh my goodness lucy the cat has done a run-in again i apologize about that um their last match was at the wrestle war pay-per-view i believe it was uh also setting up his next feud with terry funk that's my favorite match out of those three uh just some crazy stuff he did there with ricky steamboat uh, and then from there, he went on with his feud with terry funk which 1989 is the year of rick flair without a doubt um, you you go from having your feud with Steamboat right into this great feud with Terry Funk. They fought at the Great American Bash that year. They fought at um, the Clash of the Champions in a legendary I Quit match. Uh, and then they went on to have a tag match with the Great Muda and Sting representing them in their corners in a tag match at Halloween Havoc in a cage. Uh, the crazy thing, too, is Terry Funk had a broken tailbone for most of this feud. So he was in excruciating pain all the time. And they still gutted it out. If you need to see some good wrestling, you watch Ric Flair in 1989. My God, the stuff he was doing was unreal. He, the, no one was touching Flair in 89. Um, after, after that feud, it's when we moved into his feud with Sting. Now let's, let's talk about Sting for a minute here. Sting's one of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling. And that's because of Ric Flair. They had the classic 45-minute match at the Clash of the Champions. Um, big, big build-up to their match at the Great American Bash where Sting finally won the belt from Flair. Um, and, and Flair was great. He had Sting's back at this time because Sting blew his knee out. Sting blew his knee out right before, about a month or two before he was supposed to win the belt. And the NWA or and WCW at the time, whatever it was, Jim Crockett Promotions, they wanted Flair to drop the belt to Luger. And Flair said, no. I'm not doing it. Sting's the guy. We got to run with Sting. I'm keeping my word. I'm dropping the belt to Sting. Um, Sting is probably one of Ric Flair's greatest rivals of all time. Uh, Without a doubt. Uh, When you you want to talk about the greatest feuds he ever has, yes, Dusty is up there, but I think you go, I think you go Dusty, you go Harley, you go Sting, you go Steamboat. Maybe Hogan yeah. at the end, they had some good you, stuff. You need to talk about Sting. I mean, ones, there's right? a reason why they chose each other to, to face off in the very last Nitro. You know, it, it, because it was poetic. It, yeah. it, it meant something. Uh, Flair did end up beating Sting six months later to regain the belt. He then uh, dropped the belt to, uh, oh God, here we go, <laughs> Fujinami in Japan. Uh I got that Actually one. Didn't try the first Smith. name, though. <laughs> Mr. Smith. Uh, so they, they dropped the belt in Japan there, and that led up to the first ever Super Bowl. So now you have Ric Flair. He's in the main event of the very first ever Starcade, which was WCW's biggest pay-per-view. That, they, that was their WrestleMania. And I would say Super Brawl was probably the equivalent to their SummerSlam, probably their second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. Right? And Flair's main event in both of them, which I think is cool. Um, this is where things kind of take a turn with Flair and the NWA. Uh, he left the company as champion for the WWF, so they stripped him of the belt. They got real nasty between him and Jim Hurd. Uh, Flair was owed some money. He brought the belt onto WWF TV, which is really cool when you think about it. Uh, but he did come back. He won his last belt from Mr. Barry Windham in 93. And then he got stripped of the belt again because the NWA and WCW parted ways. And that and that's when the NWA really turned to shit. And, uh, you know, up until now, anyways. Yeah. Up until now, yeah. Uh, you know, Ric Flair was the yes. last yeah. touring champion, though. And he fought everybody. And he names it. He fought Bruiser Brody, Briscoes, Funks, Stings, Rhodes, Races, Wahoos. You name it, Flair did it. So I have five honorable mentions. Okay. Uh-huh. Before you get to your honorable mentions, um, I just want to kind of give uh, a little bit of a... Uh, we can talk about in the honorable mention, but after this, I just want to talk about the NWA title for a quick second. Like we said, it really took a downward. It took a lot of hits, man. Um, they kind of bounced around a little bit. They didn't really have a champion. Um, they had like weird champions. And then Shane Douglas won a tournament, threw the belt down for That's the right. ECW yeah. championship. So, you know, the NWA really had its name dragged in the mud yeah. for, for quite a while. And I'm gonna, I mean, I want to hear your honorable mentions because I've got a couple that I want to give a very special shout out to that I think helped out now, a lot as well. I have five names and they're, all five of these names have been brought up at some point during during this this show. All five of these names have come up when you were talking about one of the other champions. These names came up at some point. So here's what I want from you. Okay. Every time I come up with a name, I just want a very quick justification of why they're not a top seven contender. And we're going to start with Ricky Steamboat. Okay. Ricky Steamboat? Uh, for me, why? Okay, well, let's say, out of all the names that I listed on there, who would you take off to put Steamboat on? Let me ask you that question. Me personally? Me, me. Ricky Steamboat. Me personally, I yeah, wouldn't. Ricky That's Steamboat. why he's an honorable mention. But, but, I, but it's yeah, your Ricky list, so I'm Steamboat, asking why he Rick, didn't make your list. Because he wasn't a great NWA champion. He's one of the greatest in-ring wrestlers of all time, but he only had the belt for right. you know a couple months, right? He he had that legendary string with with Flair, but uh, as far as NWA champions go, he he just he he he's not a memorable champion okay. in that regard to me compared to these other guys. Uh, Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers. I went back and forth with Buddy. Um, Kind of the same thing a little bit. I just think that there, there's people that were better draws than Buddy Rogers. To me, I remember Buddy Rogers more going for um, the WWF. Like Rogers only had one reign as the champion. It was for 573 days, which is a pretty respectable reign. But but I remember Buddy Rogers as more of a the, the inaugural WWF right. champion instead of a guy that kind of put the NWA on his back. That's Kind of the answer I expected from you, to be honest. Um, we talked about Dory, but what about Terry? 
Terry Funk, a one-time champion, held the belt for 424 days. He is on my honorable mention list as well. Um, I just think everybody else had better runs than Terry that are on right. my list, in all honesty. Uh, not knocking Terry. Terry had a great run. He was a, he was a fighting champion. He was a big draw where he went. He was very popular. I, I just uh, I just think that these other guys were a little bit a uh, little bit better runs. Now than you you already said you had a uh, a hard time leaving this guy off your list. So explain why Jack Briscoe didn't make your seven. Uh, Jack Briscoe was probably the hardest name that I left off this list, and I know that's surprising because Dusty's not on my list, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, I went back and forth between Jack Briscoe and yeah. Dean Kaniski. And I just, I just think Kaniski had a more impressive run than Briscoe. Briscoe had two reigns as champion for 866 days. Kaniski had one run as champion for 1,131 right. days. Um, you know, Briscoe had all those feuds with the Funks, and, well, and that's what he's and that, most that's my remembered question. for. And, and Rick when Blair you think of Jack Briscoe, do you think of his, uh, his single reigns first, or do you think of him as a tag team guy first? I think you kind of go with both. I think they both kind of go hand in hand. And I do think Briscoe is, is one of the better champions of all time. I just, when I read the stats on, uh, on Gene Kanitsky, I just liked what I was reading better than, hmm. than with Briscoe. All right, man, this is the big one. Tell, tell me. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm putting yeah. it off for one more second. I got to give, I've got two honorable mentions because yeah. the dust is okay. going to be the big talk here. And then we're going to put a bow on it. You got to talk about, and I know I make jokes about it, Dan Severn. I'm going to talk about Dan Severn right. for two seconds. The guy's a two-time, he, he's a two-time champion, held the belt for 1,559 days. He was also a UFC champion while he was the NWA champion. But Severn had to carry the load of the NWA when it wasn't a thing. He was the guy that was keeping it afloat, and he was a throwback to that, that yeah. old time. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what? He wasn't the most exciting champion of all time, but he gave the title credibility again because he was legit. My, my problem isn't Severn himself. I, I think I just don't care about his reign too much because it was during an era where the NWA wasn't meaning anything at the time. Absolutely, but he was the guy that was doing what he could to kind of keep the belt alive. And if you watch his early UFC matches, you see Al Snow in the background holding the belt up on the That's entrance. right. So you had to give Dan Severn. I like he would never make my list, but I he was in a tough position and he did the best job that he could do in that position. Okay. And the second one I want to talk about is uh, Scrap Adam, Scrap Scrap uh, Iron Adam. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. He 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 started getting the ball rolling with the NWA again with that title. He was the first one to bring it into Ring of Honor. He had five title reigns for a combine of 1,078 days. Um, his feud with Cole Cabana over the NWA title was was really good. And uh, he he is like what Nick Aldis is now. He kind of was the training wheels to that. So I got to give some props to Adam Pierce. I think he he's going to be an under underrated champion. Yeah, I won't uh, I won't argue that he wouldn't be making my list, but at the same time, he needs to be talked about for sure. Yeah, just got to give him a shout-out. And let's give a shout-out to, to Ron Killings. We talked about earlier, great promo work. I, I made champion. the joke clear, but I, but I do think Ron Killings is an important champion. 
Yeah, and you know he's not one of the best champions, but the his reign with the belt helped make his. Career it was that well, again. not only him. It was that thing too that made you be like, "Oh yeah, the NWA. That's still a thing." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and he's really the only champion. You know, Jeff Jarrett from the TNA reigns AJ Styles, but they never. Jared, I didn't like Jared as the NWA champion, and, and AJ, AJ never so had a big run with it. So disappointed with Christian Cage's run. I, w- I wanted him yeah. to be yeah. the man with that belt, and it just didn't come to fruition. Okay, let's do it. Let's let's get the elephant out of the room here. All right, Tyler, let's talk about Dusty. Rose. In your opinion, why does Dusty suck eggs? Dusty sucks eggs because Terry Funk tells him <laughs> to. That's why. Dusty Rhodes. Let me ask you, why do you think Dusty Rhodes is the third best NWA champion? He's of one all of the time? biggest draws the NWA has ever seen. He is the yes. I, I I'm willing to say he's probably the biggest babyface in NWA history. Okay, but his title reigns were nothing but... impressive. He was he was a three time champion holding the belt for a total of hundred and seven days. It's what you do with that title when you have it though. Not how you're booked with But he didn't really he didn't have enough time with the title to do much with it. He didn't need the belt. He was over without the belt. He's more over for the things that he did without the belt than with the belt. And I'm I'm looking through my list right now. Dusty Rhodes is tied for 34th. Uh, sorry, he is the 34th longest reigning champion. Ron Killings had a longer run than him. Um, he's two days or ten days more than Chris Candino, and and not far off from what Raven held the belt from. As far as champions go, he just everybody else just had better runs than what Dusty had. Now I will not argue Dusty Rhodes is highly important in the history of the NWA. But three reigns at 107 days, you can't put him as one of their best champions of all time. Mm. <clears throat> We're talking about championship title runs. I'm not talking about exclusively how popular you are. I'm not talking about how great of a promo you are. I'm not talking about how great in the ring you are. I'm talking about the greatest NWA championship runs of all time now if i'm doing a list on the top seven nwa performers of all time dusty Rhodes is in my list a thousand percent but how are you going to tell me that dusty Rhodes is going to get bumped off who am i going to bump off that list for dusty Rhodes after all the stats that i threw at you today uh everybody from four down you're crazy man you're telling me you're telling me that that Dusty Rhodes, uh, his title reign was more impressive than Pat O'Connor's title run or Dory Funk Jr.'s title it. run. You, you, you're, I'm having a hard time arguing with you, and I and I want to. I wanted to say you're wrong because I don't want Dust. I don't want to be wrong about Dusty. Um, but you're 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 making a point. You're. You, yeah. This, I, I, this I, is not I, a knock to on admit Dusty when Rhodes. you're right. This is not an, I am a massive Dusty Rhodes fan. And trust me, man, I wanted him on my list. But even, I'm putting Jack Briscoe on next over Dusty. Probably going to put Terry Funk before Dusty too. And then I might go Dusty there. 
Dusty might be my number nine if we're doing a top ten list. Maybe the number ten because he is important. He is an important part of the history. But if we're talking about pure title runs and and what you did as the NWA champion, not what you did for the NWA. The list isn't the best NWA people of all time. It is the best NWA champions of all time. All right. Do you remember? Tell me something that Dusty Rhodes did as the NWA. You made your point. I get it. You're you're right. You're right. I just I don't like saying this. It hurts me inside to say because I'm a diehard Dusty Rhodes fan, and he's on most of my lists for favorite wrestlers of all time, promos, draws. Like he's he's on the list for everything. But as an NWA champion, I'm going to kind of put him and Sting in the same boat. Great, important pieces of wrestling history, but they didn't really have a big run as the NWA champion. I can't put 107 days between three runs over a guy that held the belt for four years. I can't do it. You're not going to hear me say that you're right very often on this show, okay? So, so just enjoy it this time. It, it hurt me to do, okay? It hurt me. I'm not happy about being right here, okay? I'm not happy about it, but I am. And I'll take it. And I, will, I would love to talk to the Canada community about it. And if you guys can tell me what Dusty Rhodes did as champion, not as Dusty Rhodes, because Dusty Rhodes would be my number two. If you're, if you're talking about draws, you're talking about importance on the list, Dusty Rhodes would probably be my number three out of everybody that I talked about on this list as far as every other aspect except his run as the NWA champion was nothing really to go home about because he didn't need the belt. Dusty was bigger than the belt. Oh, yeah. I, I always, it's the same reason why Rowdy I, I, I agree with you every day. Dusty never needed that right. title. It, and that's why he didn't have yeah. a big run with it. Because the money, the money with Dusty Rhodes is him chasing the belt, no. not him. Dusty Rhodes had a bit and had when, a better title than the NWA title, and that was the name Dusty Rhodes. He was a drug that belt. Dusty Rhodes, he was he's the son of a plumber. He's the common man. How do you relate to him if he's the world champion? He loses his appeal a little bit. You know what I mean? He does. All right, and it looks like we had a little bit of a technical glitch. We lost Mike uh, for the closing of the show here, so I'm going to go ahead and bring it home for us. Thank you so much for joining us this week, counting down the top seven NWA champions of all time. Please leave your feedback. Let me know what you liked and you didn't like. I want to hear from the Countout community. Let me know why Dusty should have been on the list or Briscoe, who should have been off the list. Uh, I think I had some pretty good facts, so I look forward to having some debates on the on online. Check us out, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Counted Out 7. Our brand new YouTube page, Counted Out 7 as well. We're doing some fun stuff over there. We're doing watch-alongs, so I've actually found a way to edit our voices right over top of the match that we're watching. It's one click and and easy for you guys to see. Um, Suggest matches that you want to see us talk about. If you want to come on and talk about a match with us, we can set something up. We always want to be involved with the Counted Out community. Um, next week, I guess we, Mike's going to have to listen to find out what his list is. I'm not going to tell him next week. We're going to take a look. We have a huge show. First of all, 
We have a special guest joining us next week out of the AIWF promotion in the United Kingdom. He is their current European champion. He is the Mad Dog Daherte. Um, great up-and-coming wrestler. Uh, really looking forward to having him come on the show. We're going to talk about his career a little bit, talk about how he got into the business. We're going to have a fun chat with him. He's going to stick around as we're going to count down the top seven career moments for the game Triple H. This being his 25th anniversary in the industry, uh, we figured it was a great week to to have Mike dive into his career a little bit. The Mad Dog's going to stick around with us. Um, we're really looking forward to having him on. I'm going to put up some of his information on our on our Facebook page so you can check out some of his stuff. Uh, really fun up and coming up and coming wrestler here. Uh, so we're real excited to have the Mad Dog join us. I'm going to go ahead and bring it home here. In the words of uh, my lost partner, you guys have been counted out. Cheers.